open your Bibles with me today to Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew chapter number 28. And we're going to look at verses 19 to 20. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. The Word of God reads like this. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These are words that he left for every believer, for every disciple, everyone who would call themselves a, a believer and a follower of Jesus. How many of you are disciples of Christ, followers of the Lord? How many of you want to do what the Word of God shows us to do? Does anybody not want to do the Word of God? We all do, right? Praise God. If your hand goes up for not wanting to, we'll pray right now. Bless the Lord. But we all, when we come to Christ, we all want to do the right thing. We all want to believe God's word. We all want to put his words into play in our lives. And this is called, you know what it is, called the Great Commission. To go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. In the Christian realm, in the Christian world, Time and time again, pastors hear the same thing. What's God's will for my life? I'm waiting for God's call on my life. I'm waiting for my ministry. Pastors hear this all the time. I remember we had a, a large church, and pastor's bell never stopped ringing. His door never stopped getting knocked on. We had a line, and the pastor told us elders, go and, and, and talk to these people, because he didn't have time to answer all. The majority of the things is, pastor, when, it, when, is, when is my ministry going to come? When, when is the Lord going to show me what to do with my life? And, and what's this, and what's that, and what's that? And these were people that loved the Lord. They, they, didn't, there was, they had a genuine love for the Lord, but there was something lacking in their question. They did not know the Word of God. They loved Jesus, they sang, some of them were on praise and worship teams, others in, in ministry, and yet they did not know what the will of God was or the vision for God was for their life. And many could come and say, well, what's the vision for your church, pastor? They don't know the word of God. That's the truth. That's the truth. They love Jesus, they're born again, they're saved, they're going to heaven, they're going to be with Jesus. But they do not know the word of God. How many of you know you can go to heaven and yet still not know the word of God? You can know that Jesus is your Savior and your Lord, that he redeemed you by his stripes, you are healed, your sins are washed away. But they do not know the word of God. There are preachers in pulpits that do not know the word of God. There are Sunday school teachers that do not know the Word of God. Just because you have a title or a name, just because you're in a position, does not mean you know God or know the Word of God.
And so a lot of the Christian realm, Christian people are running through life without any idea of where they're going or even where they should be going. They just don't have a clear-cut vision or purpose or passion in them to drive them or motivate them. And so they keep coming to church, keep coming to church, keep coming to church, and they're sitting there and they're sitting there and they're praising the Lord, they're, they're, they're reading, but they just don't know what to do with their lives for Jesus. And some people think that it's just to do whatever you can do. Grab just anything and just do it and do it and do it. Just keep busy, 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 busy. Don't know the word of the Lord. We all know that, hey, when we die, how many of you believe when you die, you're going to be with Jesus? How many of you believe that? I believe that. I believe every one of us here are going to be with Jesus when the day comes. And when the, Lord, when the Lord's done with us on this earth, we'll be with Jesus. But until then, we're living. A lot of Christians believe in the Christian world, not in this church, but in the Christian world, People believe that once they give their heart to Jesus, that's it. They're going to heaven. That's all they got to do. And everything's fine. They're happy. And I'll see you in heaven. Don't know the word of God. They accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord, but don't know the word of God. John chapter number 17, verse 3. Jesus is saying this. This is life eternal or eternal life. That they, the disciples, that you and me might know God, the only true God and Christ Jesus who sent him. Jesus's prayer for his disciples and his word to us is that we, Jesus, God wants us to know him, to know his word. And when we know his word, we know what we are to do in this life. We don't need a mysterious messenger to come to us. We don't need a prophet of, quote, of God to come and tell us what to do. If we know God's word, we know what clearly, without a doubt, we know what, our, what we are to do with our life. God's word is not muddled and it doesn't befuddle us if we know God and if we know the word. We know what Jesus desires us to do. We know what Father God desires us to do while we live. Now, Jesus is building us a mansion in heaven. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You have a king. You have a mansion in heaven. When we get out of these bodies, when we pass through the death or when we're caught up in the twinkling of an eye to be with Jesus, we're going to be with him in a mansion that he's building for us. Meanwhile, while we're living on this earth, God looks at us and says, there's something I want you to do. There's a purpose for your life. There's, it's very clear how I want you to live and what you are to do with your life. It's very clear, very obvious. No ifs, ands, or buts. No mystery about it. Jesus says, this is eternal life that they know you. That God makes a way for us to know him is a gift. It is an absolute, wondrous, amazing gift that God gives us the ability and makes a way for us to know him. We must take the initiative and say, yes, Lord, 
I want to know you, I will purpose to know you. How many of you know we have to purpose to know God? We have to choose to know God. Daniel purposed in his heart to know God. All of the men and women of God in the world, they purposed in their heart to know God. It just didn't miraculously happen. They just laid back on their sofa and God made them know them. Well, to a certain degree, he makes us know him, his love, and his. but we must get off and get up and say, God, I am making an effort, a diligent effort. I want to know you. I want a purpose to do whatever. I want to get into your word and know you. And when we know God's word, we know and understand this. We understand, I'm just going to make it simple. We understand three biblical mandates. You know what a mandate is? It's an official command from God. It's instructions from authority. God commands us, he doesn't, he commands us to know him. He commands us to come before his throne. And so the mandates are to know God through his word. As we come to the word of God and as we are diligent students and learners of the word of God, we see clearly three things that our life has to be based upon. Simple things, not complicated things. Three simple basic things that is God's will for our life, God's purpose for our life, and God's fulfillment for our lives. And it doesn't mean a title. It doesn't mean pastor, evangelist, prophet, profiteerist, elder, this or that, or whatever name or title you want to get. That's not God's will for our life. That plays into some things, but that's not the purpose. The purpose of God for each one of us is all the same. The purpose for your life, Donna, is the same as it is for yours, Michael, is the same as it is for Carol, the same as it is for Matthew, the same as it is for you. No one is, is, is singled out and made better than another. You're more important than anyone else. You're deceived if you think that. We are children of God, and but by the grace of God, we would all perish. It is God's will and work in our life that we are all called to three basic mandates. And I'm going to make it very simple. How many of you know what an acrostic is? You take letters and, and you, you go out. And today's message is called Our Lot in Life. Our Lot in Life. L-O-T. And I'm not talking about Lot in Abraham and Lot. I'm talking about our lot in life. And so write that down if you're taking notes. Lot, L-O-T. L is the first mandate that God gives to everyone who is called a believer. Everyone who is born again and comes into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The first mandate is this, very simple, is that we are to love God. Is that hard? But let me tell you, it can be. Because it takes effort to love God. It takes sacrifice to love God. It takes commitment to love God. Loving God, just like you love your wife or something, it takes work. I've got to work on my relationship with my wife. It just doesn't happen. It's something you work at. 
But why do I work? Because I want to love her. I want her, I love her love, and I want her love, and I want to love her. I want her to know my love. So it's not work for work's sake, it's work because you want to love God more, and you want, to, you want God's love more in your life. And you have to go after it. Guys, when you met your wife the first time, did you have to pursue her or woo her? You better believe it. I hope you did. Why? Because you loved her. You wanted her love, and you wanted her to know that you loved her. Huh? You think John wanted to, you to know that he loved you, Martha? Right? Brought you flowers, whatever he did. Chocolate, candy, sang to you, whatever he did. But it takes an effort. We've got a, we've got a mandate is God calls us to love him. Not half-heartedly, not on, not on Sundays and Wednesdays or whatever. God wants us to love him 24-7. How many of you know that? I don't just love my wife when she's cooking, although I do. Oh. I love her when she's not cooking. When she, I love her 24-7, right? And the commandment of God is to love him. Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12, verse number 30. If you're taking notes, Mark chapter 12, verse number 30. And you shall love the Lord your God. This is not an if. This is not a multiple choice question. This is the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. You notice the with all's in there? And the second is like it. Hello, there's another one. There's not just one, there's another one. Oh yeah, we can love God. The second one is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment. Listen to the words of Jesus. There is no other commandment greater than these. Love God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. In other words, we've got to make God number one priority in our lives, and we've got a purpose to love him. And how we do that? By knowing him. How do we know him? By reading his word, meditating on his word. How do we get to experience the love of God? By living life. By living life. Every day that you live, you go through stuff, you face things, but you experience the love of God as you live life. Every day is different. You have good days and you have bad days. And you've got days in between, don't you? But through them all, as we look to the word of God and pray and believe God in prayer and meditate on his word and believe his word and trust his word, we know the love of God that he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. We know that God will provide all of our needs. And so we get to know the love of God through situations and circumstances that are beyond us. Things that we cannot control, things that we have no power over in the natural realm. 
But because of God's love and because of his word, we see the love of God overcomes and gets us through and gets us out of over whatever you want to say, over, under, around. God gets us through because of his love for us. But loving God comes through living life day by day. You don't go to school and learn how to love God. You don't get a degree and say, ah, I've learned how to love God because I attended seminary or I've attended this uh, college or this conference. It's, you cannot show me any piece of paper that says you've graduated from loving, knowing how to love God. Because loving God is not loving God by reading and knowing something in your head. Loving God is by knowing what God is doing for you every day of your life. How he never leaves you nor forsakes you through the worst of circumstances and situations. And that is why you look back at your life and say, God, has, his hand was on me because he loves me and got me through. We learn the love of God. We, how many of you know you're, that knowing God is a relationship? It's a relationship. And a relationship is something that you stay with and live with and have in existence in your life every day of your life. Now, some relationships in the natural realm don't work out and have difficulties and problems. Well, so do our relationship with the Lord. There's things that try to hinder us and, and get in our way from loving God and knowing and experiencing in the love of God. But we've got to say, I want to love God and know his love no matter what. And no one or no thing is going to get between the love of God and me and my love for God. And We've got to make a diligent effort and purpose that I want to know God's love in my life. You see, in that chapter where we're at now, Mark chapter 12, it's, look at verse 28. If you're in that chapter, look at verse 28. And one of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well. He said, what commandment is first most of all, Jesus? They were arguing. These are religious leaders arguing. People who said that God was their God, the God of Israel. And they're arguing and they're arguing over the law and over legalism and over, over all kinds of matters. They're arguing. These people, scribes, Pharisees, they knew what God said in the Old Testament. Scribes were very knowledgeable about what was written in the Old Testament. What God said in the Old Testament is in verse number 29. These are supposedly learned men. These are, these are men who are supposedly, supposedly know God but they didn't know God. Or they forgot what they knew about God. And they put the knowledge of their position and their power and the knowledge of argument above and forgot the commandment of God. Describe as Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Or what commandment is foremost of all? Imagine a scribe, a person who's supposed to know the word of God, asking Jesus, well, tell us, what's the greatest commandment of God? They're arguing amongst themselves, and they're saying, come on, tell us, clear this up. 
what's the greatest commandment of God? And Jesus points them right back to the word. Don't you know? You say you know God, but you don't know what the greatest commandment is? And he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6. The Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord our God is one Lord. How could they forget such a such a such an important mandate as that? Love the Lord your God is the number one commandment of all things. Forget this legalism. You see, they allowed their religiosity to replace their love of God. They loved their religion more than they loved God. We cannot love church or religion more than we do God. And that is why our love for Jesus, for God, is through relationship that needs to be worked on. And we've got to understand the number one commandment that God left us for our life while we live and breathe is to know God and to love God. And we must do what we can do to love God. That's why when we come to Sunday school, when we come to Wednesday night, when we come to church on Sunday, we're coming because we love God and his word and we want to know God. We want to know God because the more we know him, the more we fall in love with him. The more we see the beauty of the Lord, that he gave us beauty for ashes, that he's working a work in our lives, that he saved us and redeemed us. And so we come to know him and as we know him, we love him. As we know him relationally, not headwardly, but heartwardly. Is that good English? I don't know. We don't know God headwardly, but heartwardly. You understand what I'm saying? The priesthood became a career, and they were, they, were, they were more interested in their titles and their positions than they were in their loving God, getting to know him and love him. They thought they knew it all. But Jesus said, excuse me, the number one commandment is to love your God above all things, above your job, above everything else in life is to love God. Not to play church, not to join a clubhouse or a fraternity, not to keep rules and regulations, not to get locked into legalism, but to get locked into the love of God, to know him and to love him. And then Jesus said to that scribe who asked him that question, and he says, right, teacher, you're, you, you, what you said is right. Yeah, I remember that now. And he gives on, look what he says in verse 32. He, he begins to quote from Deuteronomy, and he begins to say that, yeah, this is right, that we are to love God with all our, with all, with all our mind, soul, strength, and everything. And Jesus said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far from the kingdom of God, meaning he wasn't there yet. Head knowledge does not get you there. Knowing that God wants you to love him, knowing God wants you to love your neighbor, is not sufficient in and of itself. Now that God gave that scribe the knowledge and he understood it, you're not far. What remains? 
the struggle between living for God and his love and, and the world's ways of the world, position, even within the church, is something that is, is, is fought after. People stab people in the back for position. People slay people with their mouth to gain another position or a higher position in the church. Hello? It happens frequently. Not in this church, in the churches. It happens. People just will put you down because they want a better, they want your position or they want to be higher than you and talk down to you. And people put position over the love of God. You know, we need change in our lives. To love God, we need change and transformation. We need the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to work in us so that our lives can be remade, born again, and we can be altered and changed from our way of thinking and our way of doing things. And God gives us the strength to do it. And the love of God compels us, makes us, causes us to want to know him. And he told this scribe who was chasing after position and authority and power in the, in the body of believers at that time, Jesus said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Surely that scribe thought he was in the kingdom of God. Surely that scribe knew that his argument was better than the other ones because they were arguing. And Jesus says, did you forget the greatest commandment is to love God above all things? And the scribe said, that's right. Hey, I remember that. That's right. That's in the scriptures. And Jesus said, you're not far. What did the scribe need to do? Now he knew and remembered, oh, God wants me to love him. The next is O, and your lot in life is O, obedience. Obey what God has said. God's word says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul. The next step is to obey. Obedience is better than sacrifice. God loves us. He wants us to know his love. But that doesn't end there. It doesn't stop there. Jesus said you're not far from the kingdom of God. If you know what you need to do and do not do it, we disobey God. If we know what God wants us to do and we do not do it, we're walking in disobedience. And we grieve God. We don't want to grieve God. Do you want to grieve God? Nobody in here wants to grieve God. How many of you want to bring, do the right thing with God? How many of you want to have God speak good things over your life? Well, God teaches us to love God with all our heart, soul, and strength. And if we're, listen, if we're not doing that, and I'm not saying any of you aren't, if we are not doing that, we are disobeying God. If we don't have God number one priority in our lives, we are disobeying the commandment of the Lord. We are disobeying the greatest commandment of the Lord. Jesus says this, these are the two greatest commandments. There is no commandment higher or greater than loving God with everything that is within us, meaning God has to be number one over job, over family, over everything else in our life. God has to be number one, and if he's not, 
we are disobeying God. And if we disobeyed God, we, can, we need to repent and say, God, forgive me for putting other things above you in this life, in my life. And I want to change that today. I want to change and alter that in my life. And I want to make you number one in my life. I want to make you, I want to put you on the throne of my life, on the throne of my heart, and worship you and you alone. People think that they can serve, love God part-time. And God says, this is, no, we've got to make God priority in our lives. Not just on Sunday and Wednesday, not when we feel. God has to have priority in our lives. That's the greatest commandment of all is to be sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ. To be sold out to know God. I want to know his love and I want him to love me and I want to love him above all things. And if we're not doing that, if we don't have that mindset, if we don't have that attitude, if that's not the passion of our heart, we are walking in disobedience to God. And then we wonder, why is God not blessing me? Why am I not receiving this and receiving the blessings of God? Is because, could it be I'm walking in disobedience to God? And people say, oh, I'm born again. How dare you say that? Well, I'm saying it because it is the word of God. It is true. You can take it or leave it. You can be offended or not. But the word of God, I'm saying this because we want to be blessed and we need to be blessed. We need to be healed and we need to be walking in the provision of God. But if we are disobeying God, you know, if we fess up, if we confess our own faults, we'll be blessed. If we not only confess, but say, I want to change. All right, forget what I've been doing. It's now what I am going to do. I am now going to make God number one in my life. I am now going to start reading and meditating on his word. And I want to know the word of God so that I can apply it to my life. I can live it. And therefore, I'm obedient to God. And out of my obedience to God, because I love him and because he loves me, I want to do what God chose me to do. I want to love him. And as I love him, we are able to then do command. The greatest commandment, number two, is not to preach, not to teach, not to witness. The greatest second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. You could be the greatest preacher, teacher. You could be the greatest evangelist. I don't care. If you do not love your brothers and sisters in the Lord, we're disobeying God. Hello? Jesus says, this is how I will know you are my disciples. That one argues better than another. That one's, one's looks are greater than another. One has more convincing argument than another. No. Jesus says, this is how they'll know you are my disciples. By your love for one another. But we cannot love one another if we first don't love God. It's impossible. It's impossible to love one another with God's love if you don't love God. You cannot do it. You can say you love your neighbor, but it's not the God love neighbor. It's not the... The, the love from given from God because you just, if you don't have it, you can't give it. How many of you know? If you don't have it, you can't give it. If you have it, you can give it. If we have God's love and, and, and in our life overflowing, that love just, just 
it, the natural course of God's love is to fill us and overflow our lives. That's the course of God's love. God's love is never just to be contained with, its, with me, my, and I only. God's love is to be, we are to be porous. And God's love flows in us and out of us to the world around us. That's why God says these are the two greatest commandments. Why? Because God's love wants to reach the world around you. And he does it through his love flowing, filling you and flowing out to you. We've got to love God. And if we love God, we must. There's no alternative. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no excuses can be made not to obey the word of the Lord. We need the word, the willingness to obey the word, and we need the walk in this life to declare that we love God and are obedient to God by our walk. Our word, our willingness, and walk. James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25, in obedience, it says, Do not be hearers only, but be doers of the word of God. That's what Jesus says to the scribe. You hear what the greatest commandment is, and you're not far from the kingdom of God, but you lack one thing. You need to be a doer of the word of God. James says, be not hearers only, but doers. He goes on to say in the word of God that faith without works, without doing what God shows us to do, faith without doing it is dead. God forbid that our faith be dead. Our faith needs to be alive and active. And it only is alive and active as if we love God and make an active effort every day to love God. And as we love God, he helps us. That love overflows today. But if we love God, we will do what God shows us to do through his word. We don't need someone to come to us and tell us what to do. God has come. Jesus has come. The Holy Spirit has come. And he shows us clearly what we are to do in obedience to him. You remember Abraham? God said to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to get up and leave your country. Leave your father. Leave your people and go to the place that I show you. He heard it. He knew it. This is, the, this is God's word to me. But what did, God, what did Abraham need to do? What was the next step Abraham need to take? Pack up and go. Do you think it was easy for Abraham to pack his bags and leave his country? To leave the people that he knew and grew up with? To leave his father? Do you think it was easy? But Abraham chose to walk in obedience to the word of God that was revealed to him. And because he walked in obedience to the word that was given to him, he was blessed. We don't need the prophet, a quote prophet of God to come to us and tell us what to do. Here it is right here. The greatest prophet of all, Jesus has spoken to us, God has spoken to us through his son. 
and he's given us everything we need to do to live today. And if we need to know what we are to do, it's right here, plain and simple. We don't need to pray for a vision. We don't need to pray for some kind of guidance. It's all right here. We just need to receive it and do it. John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus said to his spot disciples, If you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments, meaning do what I've asked you to do. Do what I've taught you to do. You see, understand what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, I love you. I love you. But that doesn't end with just I love you. You can't just say God loves me and that's the end of everything. I can live how I want to do. No. There's more to the word of God than just God loves me. Yes, God loves me because the Bible tells me so. But God says, if you love me, do what I've taught you to do. Live how I taught you to live. We're not saved by works, understand that. I'm not saying we are saved by works. We are saved by grace through faith. But if we love the Lord, we will do what God showed us to do while we live. Verse 23, 14 verse 23 of that same chapter, John. Jesus said to him, if anyone loves me, yes, understand the question, if. Elsewhere in the word, Jesus says that these people do things in my name, but their heart is far from me. I don't even know them. They work miracles in my name, but I don't know. Jesus said, depart from me. I never knew you. Why? They were doing things, but they weren't doing, they weren't loving God with all their heart, soul, and strength. They weren't in relationship with God or with Jesus because Jesus says, I never knew you. We can't dismiss those words. We can't make, make like those words are not in the Bible. Jesus says, I never knew you. And yet they were doing miracles. But Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my word and my father will love us and we will come to him and make our abode within him. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Why, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord? There are many people who say, oh, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Oh, I love Jesus. Oh, isn't Jesus wonderful? You know, and I've lived long enough, and I see it clearly in God's word, that that's got to go right over here. You know a tree by its fruit. It's not what you say, it's what you do. And it's not what you do one time, it's what you do repeatedly over the course of your days. You'll know a tree by its fruit, it takes time for fruit to develop. And it takes time to really know somebody, if they truly love God or they're just giving Jesus lip service. If they're just trying to con you that they love Jesus. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord? They were calling him Lord. Just because you call somebody Lord doesn't mean that you're desirous to, to walk with them or that you are walking with them or in obedience. 
Lord means my master. Jesus, you show me what to do and I'll do it. It's not, Jesus, show me what to do and I'll think about it. I'll get back to you on that. At a more convenient time, Jesus, I'll, I'll be glad to do that, but not right now. I got a barbecue. Whatever. How many of you know people do that to Jesus? And Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and do not do the things that I say? These are the words of the Lord. If Jesus was here today, he would say the same thing. His word never fails, never fades away. Jesus would not be received in a majority of the churches today. He would be looked at as, oh, your words are too harsh. You're too cruel. Oh, God loves me. And Jesus, Jesus says, if you love me, obey, obey, obey. The world makes obey a bad influence and connotation. And that's why the, the world tries to make you get in your mind, oh, obey, you're, you're being uh, subjected to abuse. No, obeying God, obeying the word of the Lord subjects me to blessing, uh, subjects me to prosperity, subjects me to fullness of health. My obedience to the Lord is mandated by God because he loves me, because he wants my life to be filled with blessing. Why do we teach obedience to the word of God? Not that he's a slave driver, not that that he just wants you to do, 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 do. God wants to bless you. God wants to provide in your life abundantly. But God says, if you love me, obey me, and see if I will not pour out the blessings of heaven upon your life. Jesus obeyed God through the cross. He set the greatest example for us all. Obedience is of the utmost importance in all these things. Jesus says, I came not to be served, but to serve. Out of obedience. We need to love God. And if we love God, then we need to obey God. We need to do what God shows us to do. If God shows us to do something, he wouldn't show it to us if we were not able to do it. And God, that's why God, through Christ, has filled us with the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God, the enabling of God, that work in us so that we are able not just to love God, but to know God and to love Him, but to obey Him and to walk in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit in obedience to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is there to be our helper. You know what our helper is? He's to help you in your desire to live for God. How many of you desire to live for God? How many of you need help living for God? Huh? If you do not need help, you do not need Jesus, you do not need the Holy Spirit, then who do you think you are? We all need help. I need help. How many of you need help? And that's why Jesus said, I sent the helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with you, to help you love God, obey God, and live for God. Because without it, we just can't do it. But God gives us to love him, obey him. And the final thing is T, to teach others to love and obey God. We don't teach others just how to get to heaven. We don't teach others how to avoid hell. 
That's not what Jesus said. Jesus' great commission was not to teach others to get into heaven. He didn't teach others to have what to do to avoid hell. He didn't say, go teach others how to become great evangelists. He didn't say, go to teach others how to become great this and that. What was the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? What was the great commission? What are the distinct actual words that Jesus left us in Matthew 28? Go back to that, verses 19 and 20. Teaching them to observe or to do all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is saying, teach them all the commandments I gave you. And what are the two greatest commandments that God said? Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That Jesus has to be priority in your life. You need to live for him. You need to change the way you live. You need to change the way you think. You need to change the way you walk in this life. You need to, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Why? Because I love God and want to obey God. Oh, we used to sing that song. Hallelujah. I have decided to follow Jesus. And that's what it's all about. It's teaching people to follow Jesus. Not teaching people that say this prayer and you'll go to heaven. And oh, won't it be blessed and wonderful. God bless you. Have a great day. No. Yeah, you'll get to heaven if you confess your sins. But it's more than that. It's much more than that. We just can't say God loves you. We've got to say God calls you to love him and obey him and to walk in his ways. That's not preached much anymore. That you need to love God and obey God and walk in his ways and become sanctified and become set apart, become holy unto God. But when you do... If you dare do that, you will be blessed beyond measure. Why do we preach it? Because Jesus says, I love you. I want you to obey me so that I can, unop- so that I can open heaven and pour out my provisions and blessings and bring healing forth, to let healing spring forth in your life. I want that. How about you? The world will tell you, don't obey. Don't do everything. You don't have to do all that stuff. That's just church stuff. That's just religious stuff. No, it's God's stuff. And if I obey God and love God, He is going to bless my life. He is going to restore. He is going to provide for my needs. The world cannot deceive me or lie to me. The world cannot get me off track. But I believe the word of God. The greatest commandment is to love God with everything that is within me. And I will be able to love my neighbor. And I will walk in obedience to God. And therefore, I will be blessed all my days. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Meditate therein day and night on the word of God. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success in life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Walk in obedience. We must obey God's word. It's more than God loves me. It's I'm walking in obedience to the word of God. And that takes sacrifice. Teaching others, teaching others to love God and obey God. These are the words of Jesus. You want to know what you're to do with your life? Look no further than those verses right there. God wants you to love him and obey him, love the world around you, 
and teach the people to love and, hello? Say with me, obey. Say it again, obey. God wants us to love him and obey him. And he wants us to teach others. Listen, this is the will of God for your life. This is the great commission, the call of God for you to respond to. If you do these things, you will be blessed. You don't need to wait for the great call to come upon you. You don't need that voice from heaven to come. You're going to be a prophet of God. People seek after that. And people say, oh, I'm just waiting for my call. I'm just waiting for the call. I'm, I, I'm just waiting. I, God called me. God called you to love him, obey him, and to teach others to do the same. And if you're not doing that, you're walking in disobedience to God. And guess what? You're not going to hear anything from God. You might hear from someone else, but you're not going to hear from God if you're not loving him, obeying him, and teaching others to do the same. Because if we're not doing those, we're disobeying God. And how can God bless you if you're disobeying him? Does God bless the disobedient? God blesses the obedient. And so you want to know what to do with your life? Get in a position to love God more today than you did yesterday. Find ways where you can get to church, be to Sunday school, be at Wednesday night. Come, and these are positions that you put yourself in where you can know God, and as you get to know God in right teaching, right teaching, and we teach the Word of God at this church. On Sunday, Monday, on Sunday, on Wednesday, on Sunday school, we, we declare the word of God. It's anointed in spirit. And as we get to know God, we get to love God. As we get to love God, we begin to love one another. And as we begin to love God and know his word, we begin to challenge ourselves and others to be obedient to what we're learning. Put into practice what we heard. Apply to our lives. Respond that's why we respond to the word of God when we hear it, because when we respond, we're being obedient. Yeah, Lord, I want to be like that. I want to do that. I want to change. I want to be altered. I want to be transformed. And so we become obedient. But the Bible says this is the Great Commission. If you do nothing else in your life but these three things, you will be extremely abundantly, extravagantly blessed. You don't need to wait for anything else. Love God, obey God, and put yourself into a position to teach others to do the same. To love and obey. You can't separate the love and obey. And you can't do one without the other. You just can't love and you just can't obey. Because if you don't love, you can't obey. And if you love, you must obey. It compels you. It compels you to obey out of love. And so when we invite people to church, you know, when in, in John, when the two disciples who were following Jesus and, and they, they, they heard him say, Rabbi, Jesus, where are you staying? What church are you going to? Jesus said, come and see. Come and see. We invite people to church not because of programs. Programs don't save people. We don't invite people to church because we have a wonderful music ministry. Music ministry doesn't save people. We don't, we don't invite people to church because of, of anything. 
of the preacher or anything. We invite people to church because we know that this place is where they're going to learn to know God and love God and obey God. And then they're going to have an opportunity. In this church, you are given every opportunity to teach others. If you are walking in love and obedience, if you are not walking in obedience, you will not have a teaching place in this church. If you are not walking in obedience, you will not be given ministry in this church. Cruel? Wrong? Scriptural. Be obedient to the pastor and the leadership of the church, and you will go. You will be given places. If you walk in disobedience to the pastor and elders, you will not go anywhere until you learn obedience. I don't care how long you've been with Jesus. Will your boss promote you, Matthew? If you tell your boss you like him, but you don't have to do everything he says, is he going to promote you? Why? But if you're doing what, what your boss tells you to do, when the promotion comes up, hey, Matthew's, Matthew's been faithful, man. Everything I've asked Matthew to do, he's done it, and done it with excellence. Without complaining. Hello? Without complaining. Ah, the boss told me to do this. Ah, what I got to do this for? He's crazy. What do you That's not obedience. And so obedience brings blessing. Obedience opens the door to ministry, to great things. But again, love, obedience, and teaching others to do the same. If you do that, you're fulfilling the call of God for, for believers. You're fulfilling the mandate. And you will find yourself reaping harvest after harvest of blessing in all manners, areas of your life. Spiritual, physical, financial, every way. Love, obey, and teach others to do the same. God cannot withhold from you his blessings. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so we pray always. We put ourselves in a position by reading the word of God, coming to church, attending Sunday school, coming on Wednesday night. Put ourselves in that place where we can know God so that we can love him more. And then we put ourselves in that position as we obey God. We put ourselves in a position in his kingdom where we can serve others, teaching them to obey, to love, and obey the Lord. That's what I love about this church. You know, not only in Sunday school, not only here through the pulpit, on Wednesday night, we hear the word of God that challenges us to hear and obey. It challenges us to come into a place of relationship that will be a blessing to us. Come. Come to the house of the Lord. Compel others to come so that they too may come to know the wondrous love of Jesus. That they may learn to learn to learn to obey. And how do we again, how do we learn to love, obey? Through life's experiences. As we live each day with Jesus, we understand obedience brings blessing. Obedience brings deliverance. As I love God and trust him and obey him, he will deliver me from all things. Deuteronomy chapter 6, where the Shema was, it says that if you obey, I will bless you in your land. I will keep your enemies from you. And he says, no good thing will I withhold from you. 
This is in the Shema in Deuteronomy. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it says it in the, Old, in the New Testament too. Love and obey. Teach others to do the same way. And you will be blessed from heaven abundantly and extravagantly. My prayer for you is that you, each one of you, every one of you, be blessed in every way. My prayer for you is that you will find healing springing up in within you, that you be healed of everything and anything that has come against you. And how is that done? By teaching truth to the word of God, teaching the scriptures as revealed to us, as given to us. Love God, obey God, and teach others to do the same, and you will be walking in the blessings of the Lord, and we will come in here with just a, a great zeal. And I want to just encourage you again, as you come into the house of the Lord each Sunday, come with an attitude of prayer before service and pray. Lord, I want to love you more today than I did yesterday. Lord, I want to walk in obedience to your word. Teach me today. And pray, pray, pray. It is so important. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Praise the Lord.